government comes in and starts to level the playing field for everybody, we got a problem. If you're pursuing fairness as the ultimate ideal, freedom goes out the window. The beauty of capitalism is that capitalism actually encourages failure in the pursuit of individual happiness and success. Would you rather have fairness or freedom? Because that's, that's ultimately the question that I want to pose to you today. Because freedom doesn't lead to fairness. And fairness, if, you, if your ultimate pursuit is everything being fair, you say, well, it's a false equivalency. You can't compare those things. Well, I can because one takes away from the other one. If you're just going to pursue fairness, then that means you got to steal somebody else's freedom to make it fair for somebody else. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the show. Welcome to the cave. We are in here. Uh, I'm just going to tell you, the dogs are here. The dogs are here, Shider. If uh, you hear dogs barking in the background, uh, they're they're somewhere. We're subterranean. We're down here below the uh, Earth's crust. They're up there, but you, those are they're loud dogs. I love I love doing this. I love being independent. I love us being able to do what we're doing. I love working with this production team, and I believe that we are destined for a lot of success with this show. Man, it's climbing the charts. I think when I checked this morning, we were ranked I think fiftieth. Uh, I need to say some controversial things like the frogs are gay or something like that or something controversial and drive us further up. It drives by you taking it uh, up by listening, sharing, telling other people about it, as well as leaving ratings and reviews. But uh, I want to jump right into this thing. And uh, as you know, I've been recommending this book, uh, 13 and a Half Reasons, not to be a liberal, my friend uh, Judd Dunning. I've, I've devoured this book numerous times. It's a fun book, and uh, I, so I don't take credit for any of these things. And so I just I'm reading through it. I made a jumble of notes here, and I was just sitting here reading something on social media a moment ago. I took a screenshot of it, and, and I just want to point out the fact that socialism, including dem democratic socialism, it doesn't work. And I know there's a big argument out there. And one of the biggest things that people say is, Chad, you love using Social Security and you love these uh, roads and these post offices. Oh, okay. Um, those, that's not, those are social, there's social programs and there's socialism. Okay. And those social programs aren't so great either. But I want you also to remember that uh, whenever you put the government in charge of running your life, yeah, that's not going to be a good thing. Venezuela is a perfect example of that. You know, Venezuela, if you look at the timeline, back in 1992, they became the third richest country in the hemisphere. 1997, they became the second largest purchaser uh, of F-150s. I mean, hey, go forward. <laughs> 2001, they voted for a socialist president on the basis of income inequality. 2004, private health care was completely socialized. 2007, all higher education became free. Does that sound familiar to anybody? I mean, does that sort of sound like something that we're pushing for in this country consistently these days? At least that's what they're talking about. 2009, socialists banned private ownership of guns. 2012, Bernie Sanders, Bernie, Bernie Sanders, he praised their, quote, American dream. Mm, leave it to a good Trotskyite like Bernie Sanders to praise that and call that the American dream. 2014, the opposition leaders were imprisoned. Man, almost sounds like a Donald Trump witch hunt going on here in this country right now. Weird. Doesn't, oddly familiar. 2016, 
food and healthcare shortages became widespread. We've had supply chain issues. Look at what happened during COVID. You couldn't even get toilet paper. There were a lot of things that were shortaged. Uh, Look at the price of groceries right now. 2017, Constitution and elections are suspended. 2019, unarmed citizens were massacred by their own government. Uh, by, by 2020, they were actually eating their own pets. So uh, digging through the garbage. One generation, folks, one generation of progressive leadership plunged a country into civil war. All right. That's, that's, a, that's a fun, encouraging story right there. How do I want to start this? I'm going to start it kind of the way Judd did in a chapter I was reading um, where he talks about, he says, you know, life's not fair. And that's one. That's a big lie that that we kind of teach our kids. That you know, or, or I think kids are born with that sense of injustice about how when you know big brother gets something and little brother misses out. Well, that's not fair. Well, I, life is not fair. And I want to make the argument that things being unfair are actually good for us. Inequality. And I want you to. And this could be used. This could be taken out of context and used against me. But Shatter, I'm going to take the risk here and I'm going to say this: inequality can be a good thing. Okay. Right now, we're all talking about diversity, equity, inclusion, all of these things. We got to have you know the equity and the equality. Man, well, some some of that it's just not going to exist. And so the idea of inequality actually works to your favor because if you understand you're not equal to some people, guess what that makes you do? It should make you work harder. It should drive you out of complacency. We've talked about this before. I cannot dunk a basketball. I, I know that's a surprise to everybody. I can't. I think I think one time, maybe when I was 17, 18 years old, I was actually, I mean, in the prime of life right there, athletic prowess, I was able to jump and touch the rim. I am the definition of white men can't jump. The other day, I had tried to run through the airport. I made it 30 steps. I, I, like, I was like, that's it. Forget it. Go on without me. Let me starve. Leave me behind. I just realized that there's certain things I can't do. When Michael Jordan was with the Chicago Bulls, you know, he was making $30 million a year. Uh, millions more with, you know, product endorsements, Nike, uh, the Air Jordans. Well, you know, back then, the same as it is now, school teachers were broke. I mean, they were making, I don't know, $30,000 a year, maybe maybe with a master's degree. Uh, and people say, well, that's unfair. The teachers, the teachers should be making more. Well, let, let's break that down a little bit. Uh, because actually in, in our society, it's actually totally fair. It's totally fair. And it was actually a good thing. You see, because if you get to play in professional sports, like for instance, there's only been 17,000 men who have ever played major league baseball. In the grand scheme of things, when you think about the largest, the large size of the population today and throughout history, that's a lot of people that have existed for only 17,000 and some change to play Major League Baseball. Only the best get to play, and then the ones who aren't, well, they're going to get cut. Uh, or maybe you know somebody and got lucky. Maybe your dad played or, you, you know, something like that. But uh these days, well, I should say always, it's, it's, it's easier to be a teacher than it is to be a professional sports athlete, okay? Now, that's not, that's not demeaning to teachers. So I know you guys, every time I talk about teachers, everybody's like, oh my God, he's going to pick on teachers. No, I'm not. I'm just telling you, you have to admit it's easier to be a teacher than it is to be Michael Jordan. All right? I think, I think, 
you know, you can you can go teach middle school math easier than you can be Otani and make a $750 million paycheck with the Dodgers, which he, which he just recently signed. Uh, you know why? Because there's more of them. There's more teachers. Uh, they, and actually, these days, they've made it easier to be a teacher. They've actually made it so that it's easier to pass those requisite d- exams. And so add to that the job stability. The average, let's say, pro football player gets to play maybe three years on average in the league, whereas teachers can do 30, 40 years. I, I know people who retired and still continued to teach or volunteer to teach up, in, up into their you know, 80 years old. Uh, Elizabeth Sullivan, who was a friend of mine, she died when she was 106. She taught till she was 80-something, 80, 80 years old as a volunteer, still teaching math. And I'm telling you, when I met her at 100 years old, she was sharp as a tack. So again, you don't get to do that with pro athletes. Um, not to mention the fact that pro athletes pump billions of dollars into an economy. You know, they're local and state, even the national economy. Think how much money Jordan, Michael Jordan, pumped into the Chicago economy whenever he was there playing for the Bulls. I mean, probably 10 billion, 10 billion with a B dollars into Chicago uh, whenever they would go to the championship or whenever they would, you know, playing in his heyday, there were more people who were coming to the game. So he provided jobs. There were, they were designing jerseys. They were selling hot dogs. They were selling beer. There was vendors of apparel. They were putting out bobbleheads. I mean, you name it. I mean, it was flooding the economy. So the education system, you know, you got a bunch of teachers, and you see where I'm going with that. You see where I'm going with that. Um, that's that's the whole deal. That's that's the whole deal. This, this idea that it's unfair, you got to think about what you're comparing right now. Now, the government wants to tell you that you're owed something. Yeah, there's a lot of you out there and everybody should have equality. Just this morning, I went to the grocery store, not the grocery store. I, I did go to the grocery store, but on the way home, I decided I was going to stop through. I, and I did something. I hate to admit this to you guys because I told you over and over again, I wasn't going to do it anymore. I went through the McDonald's drive-through. Hate me. Call me out. Send me a message. Chat at the thechadbraithershow.com. I did it. I did it. I went through because I was in a hurry. Had to run down to the airport. Had to go to the grocery store. Came back. I was like, you know what? Dadgummit. Just give me something. Anything. <laughs> well, that's exactly what they did, because when I pulled up to the window, the girl reached out. She said, that's going to be $8 and some change. Hand her my card. And she doesn't even ask me, because there are all these people, you know, the multiple lines going through. She doesn't even ask me, was this your order? And it hit me. I was like, oh, let's see how this works. Let's see how this works. So I got the receipt. I looked at it, you know, got her attention back through the window. And I said, this is the wrong order. And she said, I'll take care of it. Okay. Didn't I tried I handed her my card. I figured I'd probably need to give her a different money, you know, different amount of money. She said, I'll handle it. Pull up there. The guy tries to hand me the wrong thing out the window. And I said, that's the wrong thing. So now he's got to go back in the back and he's got to find the stuff and he's got to bring it to me to make the order right. And I'm like, these are the people that want $15 an hour. These are the people that want $15 an hour minimum wage. And you say, well, they're just doing their job. Well, they're, they're not doing their job. Like all she had to do was say, was this your order? Just to clarify, she didn't do that. And then it turned into a whole bunch of confusion. So so the government and people like Bernie Sanders would say, we have to have some kind of equality out there so that everybody's getting their fair share. Well, here's the thing. The beauty of capitalism here in this country is that capitalism actually encourages failure in the pursuit of individual happiness and success. 
Hey guys, you know, for 10 years, Patriot Mobile has been America's only Christian conservative wireless provider. And when I say the only one, trust me, they are the only one. And uh, Patriot Mobile has been a great supporter of this show, and I'm proud to continue partnering with them. You know, Patriot Mobile offers uh, dependable nationwide coverage, and they give you access to all three major networks, which means you're going to get the same dependable coverage that you're accustomed to without funding leftist causes. See, when you switch to Patriot Mobile, you're sending a message. You're saying that you support free speech, religious liberty, uh, the sanctity of life, the Second Amendment, our first responder, and our military heroes. And they have a 100% U.S.-based customer service team, which is going to make switching so easy. You can keep your number, keep your phone. Call them up. They'll help you upgrade with a brand new phone. Whatever you need, their team will help you find the best plan for your needs. You go to patriotmobile.com slash chad. You call them on the phone if you want to, 972-PATRIOT. Talk to them. And you get free activation when you use promo code CHAD. I spell it Chad. That's right. Join me. Make the switch today. Go to patriotmobile.com slash Chad. That's patriotmobile.com slash Chad. Use promo code Chad. Call them up. 972-PATRIOT. So those of you on the left, I know there's a ton of you listening to this show, but those of you on the left, you you maybe you love America in your own way. You know, you you got your vision. I got mine. And uh, we've got this conflict of, of, of interest with one another, these ideas that tend to butt heads. And you have this idea that life is supposed to be fair and you get pissed off when it's not. Um, you know, here's the thing. Would you rather have fairness or freedom? Would you rather have fairness or freedom? Because that's, that's ultimately the question that I want to pose to you today. Because freedom doesn't lead to fairness. And fairness, if, you, if your ultimate pursuit is everything being fair, you say, well, it's a false equivalency. You can't compare those things. Well, I can because one takes away from the other one. If you're just going to pursue fairness, then that means you've got to steal somebody else's freedom to make it fair for somebody else. Jamal Bowman, congressman from New York, came out a couple of weeks ago and he said, we're going to spend, four, we want to spend $14 trillion on racial reparations. And somebody posed the very astute question, where are you going to get $14 trillion, Jamal? And if you don't remember, Jamal's the guy who pulled the fire alarm in the middle of a congressional vote and interfered with that, got off with a slap on the wrist, a little bit of embarrassment, zero ramifications, consequences, or judgments against him. And he goes on to spill his BS to everybody, like $14 trillion, and nobody blinks an eye. Well, his comment was, we're going to spend our way into it. Now, these days, we live with the reality of modern monetary theory, the idea that debts and deficits are good things, that you can spend your way into reality. Look at the Green New Deal. $90 $90 trillion for infrastructure reset. Uh, they were going to build trains to Hawaii. It's just, it's not based on reality. We just keep printing money. I mean, why the hell are you paying taxes when the government can just print their way into, into more, you know, wealth? Where are we getting this money to send $230 million a day to Ukraine? Where are we getting this money to fund proxy wars? Where are we getting this money to do all of these things like fund what was one that I saw in a in a in a package last year about the uh, transgender studies in Pakistan? Why are we funding that? I mean, 
I, I don't know about that. If you ever taken that class, Scheider, I, I've never taken that transgender studies. I guess we got to go to Pakistan to go figure that out. I mean, it's taxpayer funded. You know why? Mm, God, there's so many examples I could get into of how we spend taxpayer funded money. Why do we have campuses like Texas A&M in Doha, which is Qatar? Qatar, of course, well, Doha houses Hamas, their leadership. And, you know, they're, they, they're hiding out in their safe space in Doha. Why do we have a campus over there where one of our major schools that, you know, brings a lot of, you know, nuclear information to our weapons systems, biosciences, a lot of pretty dangerous things. If that information and academic study and research were to fall in the wrong hands, could be bad. Well, guess what? Part of the condition of us having a campus over there is Qatar gets to keep all of our intellect, all of the intellectual property. It's not ours anymore. It belongs to them. That's the price of doing business on their piece of sand. So we're funding that. Why are we funding that? See, those those are the kind of things that I'm saying that, that the government... The government does these things to, to make everything fair and everything just sounds so good in our global community. Barack Obama didn't like the idea of American exceptionalism. Let's bring America down to a little more of a globalist standard. The UN wants the same thing. They don't want America to be superior to anything. Well, see, that's the whole deal. Do you want fairness or do you want freedom? Because if you're pursuing fairness as the ultimate ideal, freedom goes out the window. That's why Milton Friedman, who I love to quote, you know that I do, one of our favorite economists, he said in his book, Free to Choose, he said, there are three categories for human equality. Three categories. Pay attention. He said, there's equality before God. He said, there's equality of opportunity. And there's equality of outcome. So, so the first one, according to Friedman, that equality before God, that's the one that the founders and the framers of our country and our constitution, that's when they were talking about equality. You know, all men are created equal. Uh, and that he was talking about equal, equality before God. Then equality of opportunity, that's the one compatible with liberty. And then uh, equality of outcome, that's socialism. That's socialism. And the problem is, these days, a lot of Americans are pursuing the equality of outcome. They don't care how we get to it. Let's just, let's just level the playing field. Let's raise the ones that are low higher, and the ones that are higher, let's bring them down. Let's put everybody on an even thing. I think you know at this point that that simply doesn't work. History doesn't bear that out. We, we saw in the example that I read to you about Venezuela, when you try to bring everybody down, there's always the one or two. There's the elites that always rise to the top to rule over all of the peasants. See, the liberal vision has three main cornerstones as well in its mission. Life should be fair. You got to love the planet. And we should all just get along and be a more loving, homogenous, globalized community of world peace. I, I, that, I mean, that right there, that's the Holy Grail. That's the Holy Trinity right there. But they simply don't work. I mean, I know it plucks on your heartstrings. I know it plays that little violin in your soul and makes you feel good about giving peace a chance and hope and change and believe all women and save Mother Earth and all these other bullshit slogans that we've tossed around for decades upon decades in the name of our, you know, activist spirited heart. But, um, and, and I know what you say. You say, Chad, how can you object to those things? You're horrible. 
You are bigoted. You're flawed. You're broken. You have no heart. How can you lack so much compassion? I can read the messages right here on social media. All the things that people say to me, oh, you're, you're just a horrible human being. I can't believe that, that you're allowed to breathe the same oxygen. Don't you want to give peace a chance? <laughs> uh, but here's the thing, man. History doesn't bear up under those kind of slogans. History has repeatedly proven life's unfairness. You take, we talked about it before, supply-side economics. That actually exists in a world, in an environment of natural unfairness. So here's the thing. You, you live with, uh, make sure you're still paying attention with me. Make sure you're still paying attention. Some of you are lost on the fact that you still think I'm a bigot or whatever. I'm just telling you, you start throwing reparations at people. You start throwing entitlements at people. You start throwing over-regulation at business. And let me tell you something. You will only weaken and coddle people. They will accomplish nothing. They will accomplish nothing. They will stay in their squalor. They will stay complacent. They will stay impoverished and they will never rise above it. You give them equality of opportunity. That's a different story. That's a different story. That's why as conservatives, you know, I'm calling for less government. I'm calling for limited government. Um, You know, I realize there's already a bunch of laws on the books, good ones, really good ones. I mean, we actually added 27 constitutional amendments to address the issues that our founding fathers might have overlooked. I mean, there were certain things that they didn't know we were going to deal with. You know, they weren't really interested in women voting (laughs) in 1776. That wasn't a main concern for them. It wasn't a main concern. We added amendments to all that stuff. That's why when people say, oh, there's another school shooting, everybody immediately goes into their emotions and they're like, we got to change the Constitution. We got to repeal the Second Amendment. We got to get rid of that because people don't need these guns. Well, slow down. Slow down. Life comes at you fast. Uh, That doesn't mean you start going in and taking away laws that have existed for 240, however many years. And it doesn't mean you just start adding a bunch more laws in there. You see, because we already have a law that says don't murder people. That one hasn't been enforced. That, That should stand alone. Let's don't murder people. Rather than not murdering people and dealing with the heart of that issue, which is the evil heart of men, What you're more interested in is taking away a particular tool that people are using to murder people. I mean, what was it? Last year, the year before, former, uh, you know, prime minister of Japan, Shinzo Abe, you know, he's given a public speech and some guy like built a gun out of like out of a pipe and shot him and assassinated him. People are going to find a way to do evil things to each other. Everybody immediately will start taking everybody in the name of fairness. Oh, let's let's make sure that our schools are safe 100%. Now, you and I have different ideas about how to make that school safe. You say, well, it's unfair for children to be subject to a crazy person who comes in there with an AR-15. Now, you, didn't, you don't care about the crazy person. You care about the AR-15. I, I say let's add more AR-15s. Let's let's put, you know, retired veterans. Let's put off-duty cops. Let's put them on school grounds and truly protect our kids. I mean, the Capitol has razor wire around it and armed guards. Every politician, every celebrity, every, you know, pro athlete out there, they've got armed guards around them. Why are our kids not special to have that? So you and I are going to look at different a different way of trying to make this thing right. Well, it looks like a storm is coming in. And you know, the funny thing about storms is they don't care if you're ready for them or not. 
I want you to be ready when the storm hits. Sometimes when it hits, it's too late. You can't prepare then. You know, there's warning signs, the thunder, the clouds, the lightning in the sky. They let you know that it's time to expect a storm. You also know that the time to prepare for the storm is always right now. Now, I want to help you prepare for the coming storm. I want you to go to my special website, preparewithchad.com. When you're there, you're going to automatically save $200 on an essential three-month emergency food kit from My Patriot Supply. Over the years, My Patriot Supply has helped millions of American families prepare for emergencies. Your family should be next. Now, sealed inside the ultra-durable packaging is their delicious meals that are going to last up to 25 years in storage and provide over 2,000 calories a day. You're able to eat right whenever things go wrong. And uh, these three-month emergency food kits from My Patriot Supply are going to help you do that. You need one for every member of your family. $200 in savings. You can get enough for each member. They all deserve protection, right? Go to preparewithchad.com. Order by 3 p.m. any given day, and you will get free shipping on the same day. The website, preparewithchad.com. Prepare for the storm. And as I said, I want to talk to you about socialism, because ultimately that's where this conversation goes. Everybody deserves what everybody else has. And so they said, well, we don't want socialism. Bernie Sanders would tell you this. AOC would probably tell you this. Well, she has said this. We want democratic socialism. So if you qualify it, that sounds a whole lot better. I mean, you add democratic. I mean, that's a sweet word, right? We always talk about, you know, defending our democracy. We see every talking head on mainstream media consistently saying those types of phrases. So we just add democratic in the front of it. Well, here's the deal. Democratic socialism differs from outright socialism in the level of state control of the economy. Ultimately, these are economic economic, uh, vehicles. You know, socialists, they want the government to own almost all property and all means of economic production. Democratic socialists would allow for some private production, but they still want to heavily regulate when it's heavily regulated by the government. Uh, a less charitable differentiation in that is in socialism. Government seizes the means of private production. In democratic socialism, the people freely vote to give the government the right to seize the means of private production. So people are still involved, but ultimately, when you once you give that power over to the government, the thing still remains the same. At the end of the day, it all ends in the government having control. You say, well, that's worth it because now I'm going to make, you know, I'm going to make a, a fair wage and the rich are going to be taxed. And all of this sense of injustice that I feel, you know, the ancestors of slaves are going to be uh, reparated. You know, they're going to receive some kind of financial remuneration for what their ancestors, their great, great, great grandfathers and grandmothers may have gone through. But is that really going to stop it? Is that really going to bring a solution to the problem that these people claim to have? Because the way I see it is straight socialism is always going to end because it always has for the last, whatever, century and a half. It's always ended with chaos, collapse, and massive death. I just read what I read to you about Venezuela. And so you you put Democrat in the front of it and, uh, you know, redistribute stuff. And you say, well, Scandinavia does it. I mean, you look at some of these nations like Denmark and Sweden. Well, yeah, these are these are tiny little nations. And if you'll read up on this and really research it, you'll see where countries like Sweden, everybody holds that up as the paragon of democratic socialism. Oh, they've got health care and they've got oh, they'll just they take care of their people and everybody's happy. Well, you know, everybody may be happy, but, you know, uh 
It only happen, That only works, first of all, in a small population. And if you read the studies, actually places like Sweden are now moving politically in a right-wing direction because that crap didn't work for them when you put the leftist progressive policies in, in with it. So, um, yeah, I, you know, it's kind of hard. You need to do a little more studying on that thing. Uh, you can have generous welfare policies in a tiny little country like that. Uh, but here's, here's what happens. Here's what happens in a place like America. Here's what's different between America and Sweden. One, we're big. And two, we opened our borders. See, Sweden, yeah, you start opening your borders and you let the immigrants that come and flood in and they do it illegally, it's going to sink the boat. It's going to flood the system. And then we're all in chaos. So that's why you've had, you know, voters in Europe that have consistently been moving more towards a restrictive view of immigration. They're very careful about who they let into their country. Um, Wall Street Journal reported January 9th, 2019, that Sweden actually abandoned democratic socialism in 1991. 2018, the Conservative Heritage Foundation rated Sweden as the 15th freest country in the world. It rated the United States as the 18th freest. That's sobering. That's sobering. But Sweden isn't that, it is not that democratic socialist utopia that they want you to believe that it is. Okay. So uh, here's the bottom line. When the rubber meets the road, folks, socialism and democratic socialism are still distinctions without real differences. That's all it is. Uh, they, they, get, they, they agree on reaching the same ends, and that's total state control of the lives of everybody in their society. I don't want that. I would rather have freedom than that fairness. It leads to economic ruin. Look at, look at Cuba. Cuba was prosperous, man. Venezuela, it was prosperous. You know, in the worst in the worst case scenarios, it leads to a government that's murdering millions of its own citizens. Look at Stalin. Look at Mao. Look at Pol Pot. Uh, they weren't capitalist conservatives, guys. And I don't want to live in that society. I don't want to. I, I mean, it's 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 what what was it that George Orwell said? You know, uh, in Animal Farm, everybody's equal, but some are more equal than others. <laughs> That's, that's where we're headed. You want to embrace that. And that's troublesome, folks. And yet you have the Twitter re-rees out there that are, are barking from the rooftops, you know, wanting a more fair, equitable society. Be careful what you're asking for. James Madison in the Federalist Paper number 51. I love the I love James Madison. I was reading James Madison just this morning on a completely different topic in regards to what's going on at the Texas border uh, about how um, neglect on the part of an elected official is grounds for um, um, impeachment. And there's no greater, no greater example of neglecting your people than what the Biden administration and now the Supreme Court has done towards Texas. That's neglect. They should all be impeached. But I was reading James Madison on that this morning. But in his Federalist Paper number 51, he said, in framing a government which is to be administered by men over men, the great difficulty lies in this. You must first enable the government to control the governed and in the next place, oblige it to control itself. I, I want to say that again. I want to say that again. In framing a government which is to be administered by men over men, the great difficulty lies in this. You must first enable the government to control the governed and in the next place, oblige it to control itself. 
You see, government has got to be limited. If not, it's going to run amok and it's going to run over your lives. It's going to grind you because, because here's the thing. Government's role in your life, and I'm not saying government is bad. The right kind of government, you need it. Don't ever misquote me on that. Uh, you've heard me talk about the kingdom of God. That is a government. I think that's necessary. And so it's absolutely essential to living your life right. But government is supposed to secure one thing for you, and that's justice. That's justice. And when that justice goes out the door, you got a problem. James Madison said in his Federalist Paper number 51, he said, justice is the end of government. He said, it's the end of civil society. It ever has been and ever will be pursued until it be obtained or until liberty be lost in the pursuit. See, Madison recognized that everybody's different with different faculties. It didn't mean that the government should just aim to, you know, equalize outcomes in order to adjust for such differences. Protection of these faculties is the first object of government. That's that's from Federalist Papers number 10, James Madison. From the protection of different and unequal faculties of acquiring property, the possession of different degrees and kinds of property immediately results. See, the government exists to protect liberty and to protect property in the inevitably diverse and unequal portions. See, our government, our government is never created to take away the realities of life, but more so to continually allow us to pursue success. So see, if the government comes in there and levels the playing field, that means there's, that's, there's going to be dictatorship. There's going to be fascism. There's going to be, that's why these people who sit there and say, well, Donald Trump is a fascist. You don't know what the hell the, the word fascist even means. Donald Trump's not a military dictator. He's not somebody who has a military at his control that he's willing to turn against the people of the United States. On the other hand, Joe Biden actually has made those types of threats inadvertently or or actually very openly about saying things like, well, you want to take on the government, you guys don't own, you don't have access to an F-15. That's a threat to the American people, dude. When you sit there and say that I will, I will either either federalize the National Guard to take them off the southern border of Texas, or you talk about turning the military against the people of Texas, particularly the National Guard, who are there to defend your borders, when you are abjectly absent, Article 4, Section 4, you are not there to repel an invasion or an attack like we're under. You are threatening the American people. That in and of itself is fascism. You guys have a misplaced, weird way of putting, you know, your real emotional name calling in the wrong spots. Your categories suck, man. The government comes in and starts to level the playing field for everybody. We got a problem. You're not supposed to be equal. You're not supposed to all have the same thing. Everybody's not supposed to have the same size piece of property, the same size house. It's not the way it works. That totally flies in the face because here's the thing. Here's the thing. If you really believe that, if you really believe that, then you're anti-business, you're anti-small business, you're anti-individuality, you're anti-family, you're anti-critical thinking, you're anti-common sense, you're anti-American. If you truly believe that, that that's the role of the government is to come in there, give everybody an, a, a fair wage. Supposed, see, I don't believe in any minimum wage. You want to know the truth. That's not constitutional. If you agree to work for me, then you and I should be able to negotiate a wage. If you're happy with it, I'm happy with it. We can shake hands. Boom. If I choose to pay you, I say, look, here's the job. 
it pays 75 cents an hour. And you go, that's too, that's, I can't do it for that. I, uh, fine. Then don't do it for that. I'll find somebody else. You say, well, you're going to have a hard time finding somebody. Well, then I have to change. But it's on me because it's my money. The government should not have the ability to come in and tell me that I have to pay something based on what they dictate to me. I use that word specifically, what they dictate to me that I have to pay my employee. If I say, listen, I'm going to pay you 10% of whatever I make, 50% of whatever I make. If I'm going to pay you, you know, jack shit, maybe I'll feed you. Maybe I'll give you three meals a day. Maybe that's it. Maybe I'll put some gas in your tank. That's the negotiation. That's the freedom between me and you. Say, well, that's not fair. And <laughs> you're damn right. But that's freedom, baby. And 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 that's what that that's that's why businesses now look, here's the deal. According to the Small Business Administration, nearly 95% of small businesses fail. That's huge. I'm a small business owner. 95% of small businesses fail? God, it makes you almost not want to go into business, right? Why even do it? Well, see, respectable portions of the rest of them go on to become institutions often referred to as big businesses. So the reward's huge. But what if the government came in and just started bailing out every small business? Uh, sometimes they try to, and that's not a good thing. That stops those of you who succeed from actually going on to becoming a bigger business. I want to tell you, though, about our uh, our sponsor, United Patriot Coin. You know, if you follow me on social media at all, United Patriot Coin's been a good friend of mine for a long, long time. Uh, they are who I trust for gold and silver. A lot of, a lot of times people in their hard economic times are trying to figure out, you know, this, you know, economic uncertainty that we're living in with all these weird things that are going on in our world. What do you do? Well, I always advise people, you need to have some gold and silver. And I know there are people out there who say, we can't eat gold and silver. Trust me, you need some gold and silver on hand. You need some bullion. You need some coins. You need some stuff you can barter with. There's various things you can use to do that with, but some gold and silver would be a good thing to have on hand. So the folks that I trust, unitedpatriotcoin.com, head over there. You can call them on the phone as well. Talk to Trey on the phone. Tell them Chad sent you. And uh, he'll walk you through all kind of investment opportunities that are out there. So check them out. And see, these days, it's real trendy to just go out and attack the big business. Oh, they're a bunch of, what is it? What is it people call me? Oh, grifters. I hear that every day. You're a grifter. You guys really need to buy a dictionary and discover what the word grift means. I'm not swindling anybody. Like if I sell you a product or goods or a service and charge a fee for that, that's just simply free market capitalism. That's business. That's not grift. You say, well, Donald Trump is a grifter. I mean, he sells MAGA hats that are made in China. It's, okay, listen, you may have a moral sense of saying, well, I don't want some, some T-shirt or a whatever that was made in China or Taiwan. That's your choice. You're eating food from China. You, you got all kind of stuff that's coming from a lot of different places. But I'm sure if we went through your house, we'd find a lot of things from clothing to furniture to everything else. Made in China. Made in China. So be careful with all of that stuff. But it ain't a grift. It's not a grift whenever you look at something and go, you know, um, when you look at something and say, this person sold me something. I bought it. I received it. And you say, well, this this guy like Chad Prather, he's got a huge social media following and he's always pushing his T-shirt, 76forever.com. He's always pushing his T-shirts to that audience. Listen, I built an audience. I worked hard to build an audience. I built a fan base. I built a following. I built a I built a customer base. That's not grift, stupid. <laughs> That's not grift. What that is, is smart business. 
See, businesses produce jobs. You should want someone to succeed and become a big business. You should want them to, because like I said about Michael Jordan earlier, they infuse money into the economy because of their skills. They did something that nobody else could do. Bill Gates, uh, Steve Jobs, Jeff Bezos, Mark Zuckerberg. I don't care if you like them or not. They created a widget that did not exist and infused billions upon billions, if not trillions of dollars into the economy. And you say, well, I don't like these guys. Screw it. It doesn't matter what you like. You you don't have to like the Mark Cubans of the world. You don't have to like, you know, the Dells of the world. You don't have to like the Rockefellers or the Kennedys, but they infused something into an economy. They created jobs. They gave people paychecks with which those people could take those paychecks, put them in their bank accounts or cash them and spend it on whatever the hell they wanted to. That's the beauty of America. You can go in, cash your paycheck, walk into the casino and spend every damn, lose every damn dime on a game of pitch and toss and walk out and on Monday, broke as a broke as a damn joke, go back to the same job and do it all over again. Now, that ain't a good practice, but by God, you got the freedom to do it. And you say, well, it, we, we need it. We need some fairness that comes along to, ah, no, no, that ain't free. That ain't free. You want to buy necessities with your paycheck? Buy them. You want to put a luxury item in the in the in the shopping cart? Do that. It's your business. But see, here's the thing: the government. You want to rely on the government? Come here, biscuit. Come over here, you crazy dog. You, the government doesn't produce anything. See, see here here's biscuit right here. Biscuit produces nothing. Poop. That's pretty much it. A little affection. Biscuit's happy to produce all of those things. But biscuit doesn't bring anything into the house other than poop and affection. That's it. A little bit of noise every now and then, which we could do without. But we take her, good and bad. She doesn't produce anything. And she's a consumer. She's a consumer. Now, it's my role to treat her fairly, to treat her with love and with some justice, and to take care of her. I'll feed her when the time comes, right? So, we, what we do is we think that we're just some puppy dog that's supposed to contribute nothing to the household of America, and the government's just supposed to pet us and take care of us, and everything's going to be okay. Well, here's the problem. When you do that, you get to that lazy complacency, and you produce absolutely nothing, and you actually become a parasitic blight on society. You wait on the government to produce something. When did the government produce an iPhone? They didn't. They didn't. Tell me, when did the when did the government produce, you know, airplanes, invent airplanes? They didn't. The government didn't invent automobiles. The government, the government regulates the hell out of all of it now. Now they'll step in and regulate, but they didn't produce anything. See, the government will take money out of your paycheck, spend it on God knows what, goes into debt. I keep the debt clock right here every now and then. You know, if you're sitting on the toilet, why don't you just download the debt clock and watch that sucker tick up and see how much money America is printing and spending to go further and further into debt. You know, 32, 33 trillion dollars at this point in time. I mean, we're in a black hole. The government's never required to bring any form of an accounting for what they spend, how many dollars are seized, where those dollars go, where do my tax dollars go? I have no clue. I have no idea. I might have just bought, you know, Vladimir Zelensky a golden cock ring. I don't know where my tax dollars went. I can only speculate on the stupid things, gender studies in Pakistan and the Sudan. I mean, 
Why? Why? I don't know. But see, now businesses don't get that freedom. Businesses have to be efficient because they don't want to go bankrupt. There's nobody there to bail them out. Governments can print more money. Businesses can't do that. And, and what happens when the government prints the money, it leads to currency devaluation. That's why the dollar isn't worth crap anymore. And it caused, you know, it, when, when nations do that, read a history book, which you don't do, but read a history book, those nations eventually collapse. So, you know, when uh, business leaders, we've talked about this before, when business leaders, when they do that kind of thing, when they lose value, they're gone. Try firing a government worker. <laughs> it doesn't work. See, that's powerful. That unfairness is a powerful motivation to succeed on the part of businesses, on the part of individuals. The motive, the profit, the incentive, right? The more a business succeeds, the more money that business makes. The free market gloriously rewards success, ruthlessly punishes failure. Government has no motive to succeed. This, the next time you, you're online and, and somebody's blowing, blowing you up, some, again, leftist progressive beta cuck soy Twitter riri is going to sit there and tell you how wonderful your government is providing you with roads and a post office. You ask them what the motive is for the government to succeed. Because I'm telling you, the roads ain't that great. And neither is the post office. You know how long? It took me two weeks ago, a, a, a venue for a live show, watchchad.com where all the fun stuff is, a live show paid me a check. They made it out to my agent, my agency. So I had to mail the check to my agent who literally lives 30 minutes down the road in Houston. I could have driven it to him, but he said, stick it in the mail. We'll make it right. It took three weeks from the post office for it to go 20 miles down the road. Three weeks. Ten days before he got it, the post office actually sent him. He Apparently, he's got the service where they take a picture of your mail and send it to you so you know what's coming your way, which is I didn't even know they did stuff like that. I ain't got that kind of privilege. But he got a picture. of. It. He said, I've had a picture of this thing. He goes, I got a picture of it. So I know you mailed it. It's here. But we don't know where it's at. The, the post office in Houston, Texas, is in Harris County, Texas, is insane right now. It's a complete mess. So, you know, uh, <laughs> you know, government doesn't have any motive to succeed. They have no motive to fix that, you know? I mean, listen, there's a lot of government workers out there. You take a lot of pride in your job. But a lot of you, you just punch the clock, cash the check. And, you know, you, there's no real room for advancement, so you punch the clock, go home. You don't, you, you're not going to be, here's the deal. If I call you at 505 in the afternoon, you're not going to be there to answer the phone. Why? Because there's no incentive to do that. There's no incentive to do that. So give me the, the unfairness of having private individuals, free businesses, free markets, that kind of thing. Don't give me something that everything has been socialized and run by the government that has no incentive to do anything better. I don't want that. I don't want that. See, whenever, uh, whenever uh, you own a business, you don't take a sick day. You don't get a sick day. I, we all always joke around me. I always say I work eight days a week. I mean, I don't, I don't have days off. I don't want days off. 
I'm not working towards a retirement. I pray to God that he gives me the strength and the grace and the mental acuity to die one day in the saddle with my boots on, still sitting in front of this camera, running my mouth to people like you. That's what I want to do. That's what I want to do because it feels good. And I got the freedom to do it. And as long as they're not shutting me down, which who knows, maybe that day's coming too. I got the freedom to tell you that life ain't fair and that's a good freaking thing. And people aren't equal and that's a good freaking thing. You don't have equality of outcomes. I can't, I still can't dunk the basketball and that's okay. I'm not as, I'm not worth as much as as somebody that infuses the economy with billions upon billions of dollars. I don't do that. I'd like to, but I don't. You know, I want to stay competitive. That's the beauty of freedom. The beauty of freedom is, I mean, you take McDonald's, you know, McDonald's comes up with a new hamburger. Burger King's got to do the same thing to stay relevant in the market. Coca-Cola comes up with a water. What's, what's their water? It's uh, Dasani. Dasani, right? Yeah, they come up with Dasani, and so Pepsi comes out with Aquafina. They have to because now they're in the market share of water, H2O. I mean, the most plentiful resource on the planet, right? And now Coke has to have a water. Now Pepsi has to have a water. And now you got smart water. And I mean, it's a competitive deal, but it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. Uh, you know, Taco Bell says, eh, these tacos aren't any good anymore. All right, let's, let's make the taco shell taste like the meat, the cheese, and the sauce. Let's put a Dorito shell on there. Let's get people the shits at 2 a.m. and make it count. You know, let's blow them up, man. So no more ordinary taco shells. I'll give people the choice on this. That's the beauty of free enterprise and business, folks. Government can't innovate. Government doesn't do that. Government's not bringing you a spicy taco shell. Go to your local board of education. Go to your local post office. They haven't painted the walls in decades. It still looks like something out of out of, out of a drab World War II setting. You know, the government is bureaucracy, and bureaucracy is the exact opposite of innovation. It's red tape. It stifles innovation. The only thing government's supposed to do is basically administer social security checks and protect you from from foreign foreign enemies. Uh, zero ability to track or to to go after consumer t- trends. Uh, I can belabor the point, but I'm not going to. You know what my job is as, as a private enterprise, as a business owner? You know what my job is? You know what my job is doing right here to talk to you, to promote this podcast and to make this thing? is is to make money. It's to make money. That's the job. You, do, you don't go to work because you feel good about it. You didn't get up today and say, I don't pay me. Don't pay me. I just love it so much. I want to come in here and file this paperwork for free. I can't wait just to come in here and put up with your BS. I can't wait for, you know, some boss, some blowhard sales manager that's never sold a widget in his life to come in here and tell me how to do my job. I, I, you know what? I'll pay you. I'll pay you just for the freedom to come in here and just sit around and drink y'all's coffee and, and hang out, you know, do the job. That's not mm-mm. the purpose of business is to make money. <laughs> Governments, on the other hand, destroy wealth. What did I say about Venezuela? The third most prosperous nation in the world. And within a generation, their government is massacring their people. They're eating garbage out of a dumpster and they're killing the pet in order to feed their family. Where's Biscuit? I need Biscuit back to feed somebody. We're going to have to barbecue Biscuit. I don't want it to come to that. That's a, that's a skinny chicken, man. I mean, that's an eight-pound dog. I, that's a skinny chicken. She's made herself scarce. 
I mean, hey, you'd, you'd suck the meat right off that bone really quick, folks. Really quick. Governments destroy wealth. That's why nobody with any common sense, nobody, nobody with, with, a, with a firing synapse in their brain should ever want to depend on the government for financial survival. God, I can't believe people argue for this. I mean, how are we not on the same team here? How are we not appealing to one another and saying, you know what? That's right. Screw the government. The government's here to destroy my wealth and take it from me. I'm going to get taxed on the money I make, and then I'm going to go to the store and, and get taxed again on the stuff I buy. So I'm getting taxed again on the money I've already paid taxes on, and then I'm going to come home and I got to pay taxes on, on the property that I paid good money to buy, and then I pay taxes on when I've closed on it. And I mean, I'm just tax, tax, tax. Then when somebody dies, guess what? Now I got to pay tax on the estate, and then if somebody inherits something, I got to I got to pay a, a tax on the inheritance. Where does it stop? It doesn't stop. I got to pay taxes on everything. Everything never ends. So you're going to sit there and defend the government and say that they have your best interest at heart. Two big middle fingers to you, folks. Two big fat. Yeah. You disagree with me on that. Let me tell you something. Wait on the government to build that next smartphone. Wait on the government to be innovative. See what you get. All right. I want you to send me an email. If you have questions, I would love to read them here on the show. We need to talk to Rasheen. Remind me to ask Rasheen about the emails that are coming in. I, I know they're coming in. She sends me a few every now and then. Um, but I want to see them. Chad at the Chad Show.com. Don't forget to put the Chad Show.com. Uh, and you go to the Chad Show.com. We'd love nothing more than to have your email address because it helps us to get the word out there. And uh, thank you to all of our sponsors that are consistently partnering with this show. We're always looking for more. You know why? Because that's the nature of business. That's the nature of business. We want to help grow your business and it helps us grow our business. So we're thankful for our partners who trust us and invest in us to do that. And I'm thankful for those of you who listen to this show consistently and support it in the way that you do. Uh, and I just love you guys. And I'm going to be here still talking by God's mercy and providence as long as he'll let me do that. So here we are in the cave. I'm headed out, as always, on the road every weekend. I'm somewhere in this country and uh, telling some jokes, having some fun, hugging some necks, singing some songs, doing all the good stuff that we like to do. And you can find that schedule at watchchad.com. That's where all the fun stuff is, watchchad.com. Folks, have a blessed evening, and we look forward to talking to you next time. Love you. God bless you. Bye.